Lonesome Loser. Yeah. How about song, that for a song? Song, yeah. Uh, and Patty, shout out for that song. Just listening to it before we started, so that's all I wanted to say about that. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a good Little song. Beaver Band? Little River Band. Little River Band. Yeah. Little Beaver. Little Beaver. <laughs> it's all good. Right. It's good stuff. It is good. Um, <clears throat> I, like our, I like our music before we start this. And you know what's awesome? The playlist keeps growing. You know what it is, actually? <clears throat> Where I get my ideas? My dad's TikTok now. Because oh, yeah, he that? fires he fires out all these old like crowded house. Yeah. Don't dream song. it's over. My dad did that on Monday. So he's like playing all these old songs, whatever. So then we talk about it away from here a lot and we just get mentioning old songs, whatever. Yeah. And then so the, the playlist keeps building. Yeah. Which is which is cool. Yeah. So um wanted to mention two things quick. A bunch of people are uh, emailing me and or messaging me about uh, workout programs, etc. So I'm gonna have one. Full off season. It's like 16 to 18 weeks. Yeah. It's going to be, I'm shooting for the first week of March. It'll be up. So for people that are members on the website, I'll send that out as a private email to you guys with like a discount of some sort for it because you're members. So that'll just be a little benefit for you guys. And then for other people, if you want to go join, be a member, you can do that. If you don't, that's fine as well. But uh, program stuff will be up March in terms of off, off ice stuff. So that's all I wanted to say about okay. that. Um, you can go now. Uh, what do you want me to talk about? Which part did you want to start with? We got lots of things to start with. Uh, okay, I'll start with uh, what I liked the other day before I was watching. I had uh, 40 minutes before watching a hockey game, and uh, I flipped on the YouTubes, came across a program called the, A Football Life, and uh, I've watched a couple of these. I like I like these kind of documentaries because uh, it gets inside the... Oh, yeah, you're telling, players, right? yeah. you're telling me about this. Yeah, you're telling me about this. Yeah, there's some, there's some good ones. And I like to get outside of hockey, too, sometimes, because sometimes we, we get um, uh, a perception of what hard work is and what, you know, I just like to see different aspects of it because it's the mental toughness. It's all these different things that I love to see. Anyways, it was James Harrison with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And Charlie showed me some videos of his workouts before. I didn't really pay too much attention to it before, except for, like, this guy is, like, strong, man, like, strong. Anyways, um, if you... Check some of these out, guys. Uh, I watched one on Vince Lombardi, too, the other day. Uh, real good. Different different than what I thought he was. Because yep. um, Vince Lombardi, even even though he's um, – he, he would have been coaching when I was a little kid, I guess. And But every time – I've read his book. It's very interesting. Um, but I always – for some reason, pictured him as like being really, really, really old, and like all the pictures are black and white, and he just seemed like he was a ghost almost. Yeah. So it was like, but, it, but anyways, that that one of Vince Lombardi was really good to see his uh, his passion of of, of just uh, leadership and how he treated people and all that stuff. But anyways, the James Harrison, unbelievable guy, was um, from the Pittsburgh area, I believe. So close to it anyways. Okay. And he's hardcore. So this guy was uh, never drafted. In fact, when he was playing football as a kid, mom didn't want him to. But uh, he finally got on and played high school and never really showed a real huge commitment. And uh, schools were kind of looking, but never really got a scholarship. And then so he just kept playing. Ended up going to Kent State. And the last linebacker from Kent State, I believe, was Jack Lambert, who was a Hall of Famer that played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, he went to... Kent State, and uh, again, never drafted. So he went to, got invited to four camps with the Steelers, never made it. So the thing was, they said that he was probably pretty good, but number one, they said he was too small. Not, well, actually, he was too small for that position, outside linebacker. 
So he was just under five. The guys on the, the, the interview, the guys were kind of saying, ah, he's not six feet. So he's probably six or just pushing it. Mm-hmm. That's little. That's small for an outside yeah, linebacker. Sure. And he was too light, 240. <laughs> six foot, 240. So, but the most important thing is like he had some something there, but he couldn't figure out plays. He'd read the plays and he just stopped. <laughs> so they'll obviously get out of here. Eventually, after, I think he was 29 years old. I don't know if that math makes sense, but he was close to 29 years old before he actually made the, the Steelers. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. what the hell did he do from school to like, like minor and then he redshirted practice? There, see, I don't understand football at I all. I don't either. Because it's I like, what either. the hell do you do? If you're not playing in the NFL, yeah. there's the CFL. But yeah. outside of the CFL, like I have no idea, yeah. zero idea how yeah. like the minor system works. Yeah. Because there's got to be some kind of minor system. Fo- I think there's a European league that's actually is it? a league. But I digress. Yeah, yeah. I don't know you anything know, about it. Digressing is the right word. But yeah. <laughs> but to your, but to, your, to your point, I like that too because you can pull. We talk about this a lot too. Like you yeah. can pull bits from other sports and other stories and stuff. Yeah. We we're actually having a good conversation with uh, – my mom last night, my dad and I, because we don't like I don't care about football right. until the playoffs come. Yeah. But this year is a little bit special for no other reason than uh, Matthew Stafford yeah. was on the Lions. Yeah. And my dad is a big Lions fan, yeah. and now he's gonna play for he's playing for the Rams. Yeah. And they are going to the Super Bowl in two weeks. And uh, we were just talking about athletes, and my dad was kind of like making the like playing the sob story for Matt Stafford, how like he was on a shit team for twelve years and never really got had any help around or anything like that so um he was saying that he's super happy that he's in the super bowl he finally has some support around him and whatever and so my mom was kind of like i don't get it like i don't understand like who cares he makes his 50 million dollars like it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. whatever and it's just interesting to see like some people that when they haven't played it's really hard to relate to yeah. that, those states, yeah. like what, what, what it's like. It has zero to do with the money, man, especially when yeah. you're yeah, you're, at in a the certain elite. point. Yeah, when you're the, in the elite of the elite, especially, yeah. when you're not just trying to scrape to stay there, yeah. it's like now the money's irrelevant. Yeah. Like if you make $5 million or you make $50 million, it doesn't really actually matter that yeah. much because now you're just focused on you actually want to play and be the best and win and all that kind of stuff and yeah. be in those high-pressure situations. It's, yeah. it's really awesome, and you can learn a ton, a ton from that. That's why yeah. it's so great watching sports. Oh, it's great. So, yeah. so this is James Harrison. Was on the practice squad, and then he got put on special teams. Now, if yeah. you get put on special teams, that means you run down the field and car crash, and it's really like if you're, right. if you're out, who cares? We'll get someone else. Mm-hmm. So then he got put into some games, and he actually started giving a shit, more or less. Like, okay, I got it. He, he, that's what he said in the thing. He goes, I got this is my last chance. I better get, I better get this right. So he put a, made a commitment to it. Anyways, his workouts are absolutely ridiculous, like so strong. So really, he's eh? described as the scariest man in the NFL by a lot of people. So wow. six foot, two under two forty, strong as hell, never smiles. Um, but so, but here's this is the point I wanted to make. So he ended up winning three Super Bowls, uh, been to the uh, Pro Bowl several times, ended up playing sixteen years. He retired once, and then uh, he, they they begged him to come back, so he came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of his famous plays was when he well he had five sacks in a game, stuff like that. One of one of the plays in the Super Bowl, they were playing Arizona, and he was, you know, as he got into the plays and stuff, he he read something, and outside linebacker is just supposed to attack and just hammer the quarterback, right? Right. Well, he he read that he I know what this play is going to be, so instead of attacking, he dropped back, ball goes into his uh, 
hands, runs the length of the field. I think it was 105 yards or 102 yards. Touchdown, Super Bowl. Wow. And uh, unbelievable. So that's not my point. Okay. My point is too small, not heavy enough. Too short, right? Yep. So he found, he, he, like, this guy was an animal. And he would sock and hit hard. I mean hard. But what he found, on, uh, he found a way, being a, a shorter linebacker, how to get under an armpit. So let's say quarterback's on this side. He'd get under this armpit of a guy and so strong, he'd get it and then twist it and then flip around the guy. And guys couldn't defend it. And then so get around and then, ah, boom. <laughs> Sounds like some MMA shit. Yeah. But yeah. my point of that is, and I was going to pull up a whole bunch. This is like just off the top of my head. But my point of that is, like I said last week, is that there's belief and there's people that will tell you you can't. You're too small. You don't understand plays. You you talked about how people can change, like their mentality, and, and he obviously did. Yep. My point of that is is that there's always outliers that say, no, I can do it. And in his, what he lacked in in size, even though if you walked in this room, you'd think it was a fridge, but... What he lacked in size, he made up in strength, speed, hard work, out, like the traditional way of being a linebacker is going through. Like you, you have the, I forget what those moves are, but they're the swimming, I think it's called, where you get under. But he found a way to do it. He found a better way that worked for him and became an all-star. So always remember that kids and even players, or, or kids, players and even parents, is that what people say about you doesn't actually matter. You know what I mean? For sure, man. It's it's what's inside that heart and what's inside what you're willing to do. Mm-hmm. And and maybe it doesn't happen today, and maybe it's a long way. But if you if you actually, it, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. But if you actually find a way that works for you, then all of a sudden you have all the fans and everybody thinks you're the greatest thing ever. And there's stories and there's a documentary about how awesome you are. Yep. But if you didn't take that step to say no, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lift weights harder than anybody else and I'm going to be mean and I'm going to be me and 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 do the yeah, thing that he willing needed to, do. to do just the willingness yeah. to do it so that's my encouraging piece for for players is that you know the guys that get the guys that are get all the hype all the time they're good they're just good players do they have the heart you can't I don't know like do they have the heart of a guy like that um but when we see that in hockey like a Theo Fleury that was five foot six and a Braden Point and 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 then Nathan Gerby, who's five 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 six playing in the NHL, they're not supposed to, man. There's just it's you're not supposed to. Yep. You're just not supposed to. You're not good enough. And uh, the the will is uh, is there. And obviously, it's not easy. But that was my point to that is like guys don't don't let other people define you, and do everything you can to because if you at the end of the day. Like we talked about roles and stuff like that. You might not be putting pucks in the net all the time, but if you're out there finishing hits and doing turnovers every single shift, you're valuable. Yeah, that's for sure. If you happen to take it to the net and put pucks in the net, even though you're really small, you're valuable. So, you know, believe in yourself and you've got that one asset that you have or two assets that you have as a player. Make that the best asset that, that, that you can't find it anywhere else and you give yourself a chance, right? Yeah, for so sure. That's all I had for that. No, that's good. Um, I'm going to do a segue here unless you oh, have another so one. So just a side side note to that is okay. parents, you know, without being raw, raw, 
is when when you see a kid that has the desire and, and the work, you know, like what you want to do is bring it out of them. That's that's the other side because parents, <clears throat> parents and coaches, it's it's uh, it's not pipe dreams. It's not never pipe dreams, but it's like encourage them to do the work because even if you fail, you've accomplished something. Right? Yeah, perfect. So, yeah. Well, so I was gonna say, you're talking about you know you can do things that get you noticed and whatever and keep at it and all that kind of yeah. stuff, and uh, one of such qualities yeah. is <laughs> like that. Yeah, I do love that. Is, uh, is leadership, yeah. right? So leadership's a big, a big word. So I wanted I wanted to talk about this to start a little bit. We were we were talking about the topic a bit yesterday, and you were mentioning that, um, kind of both of us are on the same page. Is we don't really like the word necessarily because. It, people, it's a buzzword. Yeah. It's a kind of buzzword, right? And people yeah. use it a lot, how important it is and all this kind of stuff. But no one really ever talks about what it means or how to define it. We were kind of touching on too. And I, so I wanted to talk about, <clears throat> before we get into that, just like just like the buzzword thing to begin with. Because when you're going through anything, any kind of training or whatever, people will throw like these words out at you. And no one ever really asks like, what does that mean? And yeah. it comes ends up coming back to like this critical thinking piece again, right? Yeah. Like we when we were t- in the skating episode, we were talking about people asking you, "Do you work edges?" Yeah. Right. And how it's just like, what does that even mean? Like I don't yeah. know what that means. Right. Or people ask like, "How do I get faster?" It's like, well, I don't know. Like, what does that mean? Like, what's? It's not specific enough. Nobody understands what it means. So when it comes to something like leadership, people kind of throw it out there. You take your leadership class in high school. There's a million books about leadership kind of stuff. And so I wanted to talk about that that term in particular and, and just buzzwords in general a little bit if you want to just kind of throw your thoughts on that a little bit before i start like leadership or just buzzwords in general like what, what um, do you think about it yeah buzzword you know i didn't do my homework on that i forgot about that <clears throat> that's okay about buzzwords but i yeah it's, it's what people do like it's it's you know work your he's got good feet that's another term it's a buzz term he's got good feet like what does that actually mean it's a a lot of these times when they use terms it's it's a person saying it sounds like they know something but yeah you start digging it and they don't as far as leadership goes um yeah this is a big one and i don't know like a lot of times you say he's a natural leader and stuff like that it's like well what does that actually mean is he a loud guy in the room is that why is he happy is that why the leadership and i've read a lot of leadership books and i gotta be honest with you not a lot of them are very good, and I, I shouldn't say that they're, they're, they didn't they didn't answer my question because it was all a lot of feel good stuff. And the book that we're going to go over a little bit today is the best book that I've ever read on leadership Same, by far, not by far, close. because it yeah. it it, it kind of narrows it down. And it's obviously not obviously it's it's a, a book on uh, from a Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink, and it's it's something that I read. I've read that a few times, and I've and anytime someone asks me about leadership. I always say that if you read that book, you don't need to read any other book. It trumps them all, in my opinion, yep. because there's actions and there's and 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 the most important thing is personal responsibility. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that's what I was. So we were talking about. Do, do you want to talk about? Okay. Your, so, because yeah, because I know you, where you're going to go with it. So, first thing I wanted to do is I asked you yesterday. We were talking. I said, how would you define? Like, how do you define leadership? Yeah. Like, if I say, give me the definition. Yeah. And we had a four minute conversation, and. Yep. It yeah. wasn't a definition, yeah. right? Because when no. you think of a definition, you want like a sentence or yeah. whatever. And and the problem is you, it's really difficult to define. It's a but very, what did it say in Webster's? It was, I'm going to read it. So <laughs> so it was very abs, it's a very abstract. It's more of a concept, right? Yeah, it's so not really a, in like a process. It's right. not really just a word. Right. So just for shits, while we were talking, I looked up the actual definition because yeah. I was like, maybe they have some grand insight on yeah. how to define this word. So I looked yeah. up leadership. 
If you type this in on Google, define yeah. leadership, this is actually what comes up. Okay. And maybe there's another book that defines it better, but this is what came up. But it's a dictionary. It's yeah. supposed to give you the answer. Yeah. So leadership, there was three definitions that came up. The first one, position or office of a leader. No shit. Two, capacity or ability to lead. No shit. And three, a group of leaders. So that I was like, okay, you can't use the word to define the word, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, let's look up it's leader. It's like saying, like, what does tall mean? It means yeah, like tall. Yeah, it means like when you're, when you're tall. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I was like, okay, let's go down the rabbit hole. What's yeah. the definition of just leader then? Yeah. And I got the same shit. So yeah. first definition, one that leads or guides. Yeah. Second definition, who is in charge or command of others? Sort of. Yeah. And then the third one, uh... One who heads a political party or organization. Yeah. So again, it's like it's not a it's not a good def. There's no good definition of it. Yeah. You know. So so I wanted I wanted to get, talk to you about before we get to the book a little bit. I want to get to. Uh, I want you to talk about kind of what your philosophy on the leadership is yeah. and what you think about it. I wrote a few things down just yeah. so I don't. It's, this is just a guide. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, f- I wrote a few thoughts. I said, so my philosophy on leadership is I'm going to use this in a hockey sense more than anything. All right. My philosophy is. Uh, definitely is not the loudest guy in the room, okay? A lot of people, I think, get fooled uh, by the loud guy, the guy that comes in and says the positive things and is loud and yeah. always has something to say. That doesn't mean that you're leading. That just means that you're talking. It's not Mr. Positive all the time, even though Mr. Positive is not a bad thing, but sometimes positive words is not executable action, you know? Like, let's go, guys, let's keep working is not actually, like, I mean, that's, it's good. It's better than saying, guys, let's give up and quit and let's just right. lay down and die. Mm-hmm. But so, so it's not bad, but it's not necessarily leadership. Anybody can do that, right? Um, so my point of leadership is talk is cheap. Action is, is what speaks volumes. And I've got a saying that I've, I've heard several times is like, your actions speak so loudly, that I can't even hear what you're saying. And, and for anybody that says that's, I don't understand what that means. Um, that just simply means like you can talk all day, but if you don't do what you're talking about, all the words mean nothing. So just by, you can you be the quietest guy in the room. And if you read your hockey team and you guys are kind of playing like a bucket of vanilla that day, a leader will stand up and without saying a word, go maybe possibly run someone through the boards, give you a big hit, block a shot. They're going to do something actionable that right. shows that I understand what's going on here, boys, I'll, uh, without... You know, that action is a lot more than saying, come on, guys, someone's got to go and we need some energy or we need someone to straighten that guy out or whatever. It's just that's leadership. I'm going to I see what my team needs. Boom. I do it and I can change a game that way or change the tone of a game. Mm-hmm. Right. So so actions speak loud. Um, leadership to me, as far as hockey goes, and I, I, I would say this in pretty much every aspect, too, is is um, it's a saying that I say all the time is is leadership is making the people around you better. I don't know if that is really clear to you, but that's really what it is, right? In that instance that we're talking about on the ice and stuff like that, you see your team is uh, it needs something, and, and by doing an actionable thing, you make the guys around you better, yeah. right? You've, you've brought something to the team. It's doing whatever it takes to help your team. So this is a really, really tough one because... And I read a book from uh, Lou Holtz, who was a football coach yep. from uh, University of Notre Dame. And uh, the, the <laughs> you ready for this? The South Carolina Gamecocks. Come on. That's the way they named them. Come on. That's what they named them. They're called the Gamecocks. 
And it looks like a rooster. I don't know why they just call a rooster or somebody. <laughs> That's someone has to be playing a joke. When you make a name like that. Well, and it's like a hundred years old, like yeah. like like times have changed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the roosters, man. Um, That's awesome. but anyways, he said that like it was it was it, people do not understand how important it is for that linebacker or that kid that that the guy that just blocks or whatever, how those small roles play an important piece. So is doing whatever it takes to help your team win. So I could be a goal scorer, right? If I'm a goal scorer and I refuse to block a shot, but I, I now I block shots. Obviously, that's something to help my team win. And and the other side of it is like, it's the team aspect of things. It's not the individual. And it's very very hard because your team could be winning, and if you're one of the better players, or if you're second, let's say let's say you play for the Edmonton Oilers and uh, Connor McDavid is number one, and and Leon Dreisaitl, let's say, and you're going for the scoring race. Does Connor McDavid, is he a leader? And I, I don't know the answer. Is he a leader if Dreisaitl puts up, is ahead in the scoring race by three? Does he, does he, is he happy for him? Right. Will he actually do things to make him better? Or is he, does he go within himself and actually be better? And that's the leadership part is that you're winning hockey games, even though they're not. <laughs> but I was using that as an example is like the mo- most important piece of a leader is that you're doing your job. You're doing your mission to help the team get better. And if that means someone else gets more glory, fine, we're winning. Because the thing is that what people don't understand, and like from a parent standpoint, I, and I've seen this every day for years and years and years, is that when someone, so everyone's happy for somebody if you're winning and doing well, as long as you're not doing better than my son or better than me. And that mentality has got to go. Because a true leader doesn't care. And guys, you'll get your due. People like scouts aren't dumb, coaches aren't dumb. They see who's actually there for the right reasons. So it's a very hard concept to see someone do well. So, for example, don't want to beat this one too too, too long. Uh, my son could look at some of the other rookies in the league that are you know roughly maybe even drafted later that may have more points that are friends, right? And he could sit there and and pretend to be happy for them, even though they're not his teammates, but. Hopefully he's genuinely happy that they're yeah. doing well because he's doing well also. So it doesn't have to come at the expenses. I was drafted harder, higher. I should have more points and I should be better and I should get more press. Yeah. Right? Because your day is going to come if you do the right things over and over. Right? So that, that one's that. Uh, it's being consistently doing the right things. That's, that's another thing in leadership. It's not just when you feel like it. It's consistently. It's being ready and all that stuff. Uh, and, and the most important thing to me is it's, it's, it's the goal of accomplishing the task. And that's what that, that book talks about too. That, made, that book made it very clear. Yep. It's like the only thing that matters is the mission. And whatever that whatever it takes to do the mission is what a leader is going to do, yep. right? And then, and then also having your teammates trust that you're going to do your job. And then equally as important, if you prepare and you practice and, and leadership is there, it's also trusting that your teammates are going to do their job. Right, so I you know. Let's say I'm a D that pinches. I just we've done this over and over. I D pinches. I know that someone's covering no matter what. I know that if I get in a tussle, I know that number sixteen and number nineteen have my back. I know yeah. that for a fact. Like it's no question. That's that's leadership. Um, and it's just doing what it takes to pro, to pr- providing what your team needs. And that might sometimes in the dressing room, it's got it might be some words, might not be. Um, off the ice, you're always an example. And it's not because you, you walk around with, you know, a nice suit and stuff like that. It's, uh, and you, you look like God or anything like that. It's just like you're a guy that sticks out like a sore thumb because you do the right things all the time with your team. Uh, you treat teammates properly. And this is a big thing. You know, I've seen this team after team where you have someone who is supposed to be the leader, 
but everything I just talked about, they're the opposite. And that's, I guess that's the best way to say it is like, yes, they're good players. Yes, they, uh, in, in the, in the papers and all that stuff, it looks like they're leaders, but when the real, really comes down to it, they're all about themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So that's really, really sort of, you treat your teammates properly. It's, it's having the ability to treat them equally as well. Nah, equally might not be the word, but, but because, because you and I may not be best friends on the ice. But as a teammate, and if you walk in with your tail between your legs, and I could just recognize it, it should never be. Even if you're you're better than me, or even if you're equal to me, and it might mean it might mean ice time. Possibly, if you're having a bad day, it might benefit me. The bottom line is that we need everybody going on all cylinders. So if I see you kind of drag your tail between your legs, it's it's got to be. Eric, how's what's going on, bud? Like, and, and having a small talk, and you know, get out of it. Focus, you know, the words. Focus on the mission. You're going to get out of this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also uh, recognize the the guys that maybe don't get the the love from the coach. It's it's the guy that's uh, you know insecure or whatever like that. It's just being there for a teammate. It's, you don't have to have a love fest, but you have to be able to uh, know that he can count on you. That's leadership. It really yeah. is. And if you don't give a shit about that guy, then why would he ever give a shit about you or your team? And it's it's a reflection of your whole team. Treat the depth guy on your team as as important as your best player. Yep. And and honestly, I'm so glad that we watched the Mark Messier and the uh, Wayne Gretzky interviews the other day because they actually talked about that. Is is like when uh, Dave Lumley or uh, Marty McSorley came in. They were not good players, like top end players. But when they got traded to these to the Oilers, guys that got traded, the best guys on the team, Gretzky, Messi, Coffee, all these guys would say, hey, go just come and live with us, low. Yeah. Come live with us, get yourself sorted. You need a card. What do you need? We'll get you sorted out. And that kind of stuff makes them feel like they're important. If you're, if the guys are going out, you're you know, you're the depth guy and the guys that are new, you're always included. And they always treated the the depth guy. Like they were the best player on the team. Yep. If a guy made a mistake, it was not you blew it. Like Steve Smith, the one uh, year in the playoffs, he was a rookie defenseman, and they were making their third run for a cup, and they were playing Calgary, scored on his own net, and game was over out of the playoffs. And he thought he was like the worst guy ever, and the guys straight up went up to him. And it wasn't his fault. Like he, he made somewhat of an error. The puck kind of slipped off. Everyone could do it. It just happened to be the wrong time. And they took that time with him and they said stop man stop let's go let's move forward and he ended up being a great player um you're on time you're resent, rep- representing your team properly on the ice do your job the best of your ability that's period just do your job consistently to the best of your ability um do everything to complete the mission for your team to help your team win that's critical uh so that might mean some self-sacrificing in in the for the greater good of the team um, do what your team needs, even if it's not for the glory. Step up and play your role. Uh, sometimes, but blocking a shot and doing things that are uncharacteristic or very important um, to your team. Put value on the players who do the dirty work. Staying disciplined over personal. What did I say? Oh, emotions. So this is really important. Is when you're having a uh, let's say you're a goal scorer. And you haven't scored in a few games and your emotions are starting to get the better from you and you feel like someone gives you a jab or something like that and you feel like, ah, screw it, I'm going to stick this guy and take a penalty so you're not helping your team. It's staying focused on that and don't don't let your emotions get out of the way of what the big picture is. And then uh, putting personal agendas aside, 
for the betterment of the team. And this is, it's very hard to do that sometimes, but I know that's a lot. No, it's, it's good, man. It's a lot. I mean, but, but at the end of the day, it's yeah. about it, like, it really is like even working here, right? It's it, is that, you know, you know, from the bottom of your heart that I don't want to work that treadmill anymore. Yeah. Right. That's the last thing I, I've done all these jobs. It's not what I want to do anymore. So we have people to do that, but we know that and vice versa, that if it comes down to it, that Saturday morning, the job needs to get done. You can call me and I will be here or I'll recognize that and I'll take over vice versa. And that's what teamwork is. That's what leadership is. It's you're never too good to do anything. That's right. In fact, last thing (laughs) I can go, right? Yeah. yeah, The the last thing to me, which I read, which was really neat out of uh, some of the military books is they say that uh, a lot of the times the generals or the leaders eat last. Yeah. And I've always made a point of that with, uh, you know, I told my son, you know, don't not necessarily eat last, but let other people go first. Don't be so self-focused. Yeah, I do that all the time too, man. I know. For sure. It's such a good principle, man. It's just a good principle. Yeah. Like, just go ahead and eat. Like, I, there's, there'll be more chicken, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so it's very important to do that. Is, is, uh, and it's not, not always about eating. It's about, you know, if there's a new batch of sticks come in or toques for the team or sweatshirts, just don't be the first guy to go in there and grab all. Grab yours first. Like, everyone gets one. Calm yeah. down. Let a guy that... Maybe just got on the team or a guy that doesn't get much. Let them have first dibs so they can feel great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I got a bunch of stuff on that. So um, just while you were talking, because for, so for people listening, like you just said a whole mess of shit. So it's basically yeah, like, <laughs> it's like it's like leadership is everything. Basically, is what yeah. you, is almost what that that is. Like yeah. you just went through a bunch of examples, and just while you were talking, I I came up with my own definition. So this oh is, nice. I think they should re- replace. <laughs> Write a new book. In, in Webster's Dictionary, <laughs> this is what they should put if it's not already already there. Okay. It's doing what it takes to make the team consistently succeed. So that's that's what I would define leadership as. So doing whatever it takes to make the team consistently succeed. So now cons- succeed doesn't mean win no. necessarily. Consistently is a big word in there because if you make the team succeed once, you might be doing things that aren't necessarily beneficial in the long term. And doing whatever it takes, to me, that kind of like, it just encompasses all the examples that you just gave. So whatever it takes could be how you treat people, your example on the ice, your example off the ice, all that kind of stuff. That That's kind of, if I had to put it into one sentence, best I could, that's what I just came up with right now. And I think that's that's a good a good way to think about it. Do do whatever it takes to make the team consistently succeed. If you're doing that, then you're exhibiting leadership for sure. And so that's that's a really important thing that, especially for kids, if you're trying to, you know, because people always say we need a leader. Who's going to be the leader? Who's going to step up? Like all this stuff. That's a way that you can frame it in just one sentence. And then all those examples you gave are are really good, really good things that you guys can follow because they happen every game, every practice with your team all the time. Um, and one thing I want to highlight that you said is being the boss doesn't automatically make you the leader. Right. And that can go for anything. It could be a hockey team. It could be a business thing. It could be a whatever. And being the best player doesn't make you the leader. That's right. That's a lot right. of people assume that. You're not. And you're actually, you're not unless you're doing, you can be. And one yeah. of the things you said early on there was that the guy who talks the most isn't always the leader. You can be the leader if you talk the most. Yeah. But it's not a given that you're no, the leader just because you're talking. You lead. That's right. So anyone who's been on a team of any kind before, you totally know what's going on. It could happen in your family. It could happen with your yeah. spouse or your partner, whatever. And if you don't have somebody, at least one of you, and there can be more than one, 
but at least one person yeah. who's that kind of that glue guy, you know, that glue person that can bring everyone together and help work through problems in whatever the setting is, then you're at a big disadvantage as a team if you want to succeed over time. And that can be a company thing, a team thing, or whatever thing, you know? And, yeah. the, and the other thing is that the willingness to kind of reach out to the people, the, the example yeah. you gave, like in the room where guys, you know, you see a guy's having a bad day or whatever. And even if you don't like the guy, you still, as the leader, yeah. need to reach out and try to, yeah. and try to help the situation because this person's part of your team. Yeah. You know, and I had one, one example of that. So when I was in my last year of junior, I was going through a problem that was very known. And when I got, when I moved there, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anyone. And so I was, I'm dealing with some, some personal things going on. And the captain of my team, who I didn't know, sent me a text one night. I was by myself at my billets and I wasn't friends with any of these guys yet. Yeah. I just moved there. And, uh, he just asked me like, Hey man, how, like, what's going on? Like, I know you're going through whatever is going on. Like what's, what's up? Like, are things cool? Like, is everything good? Are you getting through it? Okay. Like this kind of stuff. And I was like, Holy shit, man. And like, I'm never going to forget that for the rest of my life. No, now. I know. And, and this guy who was on my team, he wasn't the most vocal person. He wasn't the most raw, raw person. I had way more respect for him as the captain of our team now because he did that. Yep. And I was like, okay, this is actually a guy that I think some of the, some of the boys can count on. Like we yeah. can, we can count on this guy to yeah. at least in that domain, have a good, good element of leadership that yeah. is, is worth having. And he's, he's worthy of being called yeah. the leader of the team when he's doing stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So it's that willingness to also reach out across, across the, the not across, I don't want to say across the aisle, politically speaking, maybe, but like if it's just a personal situation when it's someone you don't know or someone you aren't friends with or don't even like, they're still on your team, man. And you still yep. need to, you got to bring them together to make, make the team function properly, well. you know? Yep. So all of that kind of stuff, when you are the leader, is it's on you kind of to take ownership of what you're doing in that, in, in whatever the domain is, because you're the one in control of the team, control of the team or at the head of the table or whatever, right? So I want to I want to bleed into the book yeah, now. Cool. Unless, yeah, it's unless, the best book ever. So, so this is, like you're saying, there's a book by Jocko. So for people watching, this is the book. It's called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. And he wrote it with Leif Babin, who's another uh, Navy SEAL guy. So Jocko's got like a bunch of books out. And he's a pretty rah-rah dude. But what I really like about this book is he, the way that it's laid out is he points out, uh, or he t basically tells a war story so when they were in Iraq in like 2006 or whatever, he'll tell a, a story about in battle, on the battlefield, something yeah. that happened, or in the planning of going on the battlefield, yeah. something that happened. Then he'll extract out a principle from that story and he'll explain the principle. And then he'll give you a, like a real world, more of a business example yeah. of where, how it could apply to just life. Because what he yeah. says a lot is war and, and battle is like life on steroids, basically. Yeah, it's and the ultimate. Yeah, and I think I think it's sports is a lot like that too. Sports is life Absolutely. on steroids, and that's why you can learn so many life lessons yeah. from sports. Yeah. So the book's called Extreme Ownership, and basically the principle is just as the leader, if you want to be a leader, and this is kind of if you're if if I was to say what is the question that this book answers, it's basically how you become a leader. That's what what it is. So if you're at all interested in becoming a leader or adopting some principles, it's a really good book to read, and it's not uh, a difficult read at all. It's not like super scientific or whatever. Nope. It's all in pretty plain language. It's not hard to read. Yeah. Um, but I just like each chapter is, is a, a principle that you can apply to being a leader. Yep. So I, I want to walk through a couple of them, unless you have any other words you want to say on the book. No, the book is incredible. Read it a few times. It's, uh, and, and, and the, the bottom line is what it says is that you own, you take ownership for everything in your life. Even if you think it's not your fault, you, you have to find a way 
to to see what you what role you may have played in something that didn't go well or right right and um, it's it's really good because it's humble but it's like it's realistic right it's the most realistic book I've read on leadership ever and I guess that would be that uh, it's owning your life but it's like I'll just say this I don't know if you're gonna go into that but when you understand the first principle is like you can't be a leader of a hockey team or your family or anything if you can't lead yourself. Oh, I was, I was going to talk, about, gonna talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you can't, you can't, you just can't like, you can't like my, I can't expect my son to engage into physical activity and be dialed in and do everything properly. If he, if I can't expect it, I don't think if I'm not doing it, he looks up to me, he's my son. If he sees dad being lazy and, and having really bad habits and everything he does, then how, why, why, how would I expect him to follow that, right? So if you take ownership or if he sees me making excuses for everything, why did the business not work out or why didn't you make the NHL? If it's always excuses, then I'm teaching him how to have excuses. That's not leadership. It's not mm-hmm. leadership because the reason I didn't make the NHL, we can say that I was too small. Well, so was James Harris, as I, as I said earlier. Mm-hmm. I can say that uh, in today's game, this or I, you know, but if I'm being honest, which I was with my son, I explained to him where I failed. And that's ownership. It's like, so so you were good enough, Dad. Yes, but no. Yes, but no. Yeah. Because I didn't do what it takes at certain times and certain places and some of it was I just didn't know, but if I really owned my life, I probably would have known. Like, really, that's the, that's the truth, right? Why is the business not this, this, and this? It's because I made mistakes. I made it, like no one else. It's yeah. no one else's fault. Even my partner, when he decide, when we make a decision, it's like if you don't really believe in what you're doing, you just let things happen, then it goes that way. So, and like what Jordan Peterson says, right, when people talk about changing the world, you go out there and they should do this. And, you know, all these people are telling on social media, telling how life should work. He says, go back to your room. And if your room's a freaking mess and you can't even control that, you have no business speaking about how other people yeah. should live your life because you can't even take care of yourself. That's right. If you can't take care of yourself, you're not taking care of anybody else. Yeah. So number one, own your life. Take care of yourself. So in hockey terms, I'm sorry for cutting you off. In hockey terms is whatever type of player you are, be that consistently to 100% the best of your ability every single day. That's your starting point, period. Yeah. Own your life. Yeah, that's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through a couple of these. I just picked out four because it's obviously a long book and I can't go through all mm-hmm. of it. But I picked out four that I, I really like. And we'll just, we'll just talk about them a little bit. I'm going to read... Uh, just a piece from the principal part of it. And then maybe if, you know, if it's something that you guys find interesting, then maybe it'll, it'll motivate you to go get the book and read it for yourself. But uh, the first principle, like you were just saying, is the concept of extreme ownership. Okay. That's principle one. And that's, it's a really hard thing to do, man, because I've read the book. I've tried to, I try to do it in my own life and mm-hmm. you fail at it constantly because yeah. it's so easy to slip off, make an excuse, but it's just, you're working towards it. You know, yep. that's it. And, and that's the point of these principles. It's like you're working towards doing it as much as you can, as consistently as you can. And nobody's perfect. Everyone's going to mess up here and there. But the first one is extreme ownership. So I just want to read a piece uh, from the principal part of it. On any team, in any organization, all responsibility for success and failure rests with the leader. So important. 
The leader must own everything in his or her world. There is no one else to blame. The leader must acknowledge mistakes and admit failures, take ownership of them, and, de and develop a plan to win. The best leaders don't just take responsibility for their job. They take extreme ownership of everything that impacts their mission. This fundamental core concept enables SEAL leaders to lead high-performing teams in extraordinary circumstances and win. But extreme ownership isn't a principle whose application is limited to the battlefield. This concept is the number one characteristic of any high-performance winning team in any military unit, organization, sports team, or business in any industry. As individuals, we often attribute the success of others to luck or circumstance and make excuses for our own failures and the failures of our team. We blame our own poor performance on bad luck, circumstances beyond our control, or poorly, poorly performing subordinates, anyone but ourselves. Total responsibility for failure is a difficult thing to accept, and taking ownership when things go wrong requires extraordinary humility and courage. But doing just that is an absolute necessity to learning, growing as a leader, and improving a team's performance. So just from reading that alone, basically it's you're actually trying to everything is your fault like act even if you don't think so act dig like, deep man yeah dig deep and act like everything is your fault because when everything is your fault it does so many beneficial things for you so the key is don't pretend it's your fault <laughs> that's right go dig deep so even like, like i'm going to use an example where you stepped on the ice and the, the your back checking and the puck went in don't don't automatically like you're a minus one don't automatically think that it's not your fault like what could you have done better the bottom line it might not be your fault but there's is there something you could have done better mm -hmm. and and uh so that's one example but well, that's but the key in what you said is don't pretend yeah like you're taking extreme ownership yeah like this is the, and this is a trap that people can yeah. fall into they can pretend like they're taking extreme ownership but they're not actually because at the end of the day, they're thinking, well, this guy's still a jackass and didn't do what he was supposed to do. And now I look bad and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. that's not what the point of this is. Yeah. The point is like extreme honesty with yourself and where did you mess up to make this go wrong? Yeah. And you'll, it'll never be a bad thing if you do that. No. Never. And if you can apply that to yourself, it'll help you look at other people with more empathy and sympathy if you want to use that as a term. And it'll just help you be that person that's a glue guy. So when there's an issue that comes up, you can help work through it because you're not throwing ninja stars at people for something that you think they did because you're, you're internalizing it. And in one area where I try to do that, just as a simple life example, is if I'm talking to clients and there's some kind of miscommunication where obviously they, they didn't get yeah, the yeah, point, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. They, and I feel like I, I'm a pretty articulate person. I feel like I explained it as well as I could, but there was some mishap along the way and they don't understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, I could right away, right away, I could be like, well, you're an idiot. This is what it is. You didn't read the email. I told you. Yeah, it's, it's in the previous email. You didn't read it, yeah. X, Y, Z, or whatever. Yeah. And that's not a helpful strategy because now this person's going to be like, well, he's a real dick. Yeah. Or that's not like the tone of how you talk to people or yeah. whatever. But instead, instead of doing that, I always try to default like, oh, that's my fault. Like my bad for not explaining it clearly enough here's what I meant to say or whatever. If you have any other questions, please let me know kind of thing. Yeah. I always try to default to that so that I'm not, I'm causing unnecessary conflict with someone who's a client for our business, for example, mm -hmm. you know? So that's just one, one easy example of how to do that. And, and on the ice, it's the same thing. You know, if you had, if you were on a two-on-one and should have got a backdoor pass and buddy didn't pass to you, like don't go back to the bench and be like, Hey, ass face, I'm, I was wide open and you didn't give me the puck. Yeah. 
just be like, hey, man, sorry, I wasn't in, like, the best position, yeah. maybe. Or, or maybe, ask the or, question. Yeah, yeah, did you see me? Did you see that I was open yeah. back door or whatever? Like, yeah. what, do you need me to tap? Do you need me to yell? Like, what, what's going yeah. on with that? Yeah. You know, that's the way you address a problem. Yeah. It's not just, like, you yeah. did this, you did that, whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. A really good example that happened this year with Charlie's team is they, uh, they're, you know, they're starting to get in a good role of playing hockey. Right, so a lot of times, and I'm not saying it was easy, but they were in good good role, winning, winning some games. So they had a road trip, and they played in the Sioux, uh, and they went and they lost. Um, they just had a stinker of a game, right? What's that? Yeah, it was like they after the first period, it was like four or five nothing or whatever, maybe yeah. four or five yeah, one or whatever, and it was just one of those games, and just is what it is sometimes. So. I was expecting a typical coach is never their fault, right? Like especially old school guys, what happens is they yell and they scream and they start blaming. And and part of coaching is saying, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, we need to be better here, right? But the article that was in the Sioux, in a Sioux paper was George was in there and he said, well, simply we didn't come out to play and that's my fault. But that takes a lot of pressure off the kids. He goes, I, I, I obviously didn't prepare these guys, and I got outcoached today. I will get them ready for tomorrow. And that's like, yeah, he said he got outcoached that day. And, and that may or may not be true, but in his mind, I believe that he actually meant that that day, that he wasn't prepared enough for that game. Didn't get his guys prepared because... As a leader, you are the coach of the team and the general manager and all that kind of stuff. It actually is a lot of your responsibility to make sure they're prepared. You're the leader, man. You're the leader. Yeah. And he took that responsibility, put it on his shoulders and took it off the kids. Now, I I don't know for a fact, but I assume because he's a very smart and good coach that he spent time with players and went over things and probably had a pissy, like uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of piss yeah. to him. Yeah, a little, yeah, I was just gonna say you know, that. which is okay. Yeah. Uh, because it, like he doesn't like to lose. But that that is great. Now, you can't now as a player... You can't look at him and say, yeah, but yeah, it wasn't my fault. It was yours. You guys, okay, now I have to take responsibility for what I didn't do or what I did, right? So anyways, that's leadership, man. Yeah. One and he one. meant it. It wasn't like, yeah, it's my fault, not the kids. Yeah. He, and, he, and they started winning a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that leads right into principle number two, okay. which is uh, check the ego. In the book, it's actually principle number four, just but I'm just yeah. going through a couple that I like, like I said. So chapter four is check the ego. So I'm going to read another one from this one. Ego clouds and disrupts everything. The planning process, the ability to take good advice, the ability to accept constructive criticism. It can even stifle someone's sense of self-preservation. Often the most difficult ego to deal with is your own. Everyone has an ego. Ego drives the most successful people in life, in the SEAL teams, in the military, in the business world. They want to win and to be the best. That is good. But when ego clouds our judgment and prevents us from seeing the world as it is, then ego becomes destructive. When personal agendas become more important than the team and the overarching mission success, performance suffers and failure ensues. Many of the disruptive issues that arise within any team can be attributed directly to a problem with ego. Implementing extreme ownership requires checking your ego and operating with a high degree of humility. Admitting mistakes, taking ownership, and developing a plan to overcome challenges are integral to any successful team. Ego can prevent a leader from conducting an honest, realistic assessment of his or her own performance and the performance of the team. So this kind of ties in with what you're just saying with coach there. Real easy to just come out and be like, well, boys weren't ready. 
Boys yep. aren't ready to play. I don't know what their problem was tonight. Yep. And that's not what leaders do. They go back to the drawing board and as the leader, it's like, okay, where did I mess this up when you're the leader? Now, if you're, because we, we talk to kids a lot, right? So if you're the captain of midget minor Windsor team, yeah. Connor, um, <laughs> I'm not saying that you have to go back to the room and say, okay, where did I screw up our game today? Like, that's not necessarily yeah. what I'm talking, what I mean, but these are just things that you're trying to work towards as a leader. If you actually have control over what's going on and when you're a kid, you don't, but it's a good thing to pra start to practice and to get used to, right? Yeah. Don't go back to the room and be like, boys, like what the hell you winger guy, you weren't doing this or you're not doing this job or whatever. Like you go back, you stay humble about it. And, and, and this is where, in my opinion, the example can start to come in, right? Leading by example rather than with words. So if you go back to the dressing room and you guys aren't having the best game, you can be like, okay, what did I personally do that period that could have been better? And then you go out and take some action and your actions will show a difference in that game. So it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, like Coach George where you go to the media and say, hey, like I wasn't ready as the coach today. It's like, that's not always necessary. Mm. And we're going to talk about kind of the balancing act of the leadership thing later on. Yeah. But just for, for kids that are listening, it's not like you need to go correct the plan because you probably didn't make the plan if you were the captain of your That's right. minor hockey team. But there are things you can do with your own actions that, that are important. And, and the last point that he made there, um, he was saying that ego can cloud your ability to plan and to bounce back from things and that kind of stuff. And if you, being honest, it, like it's so important, man, to be honest with yourself because you can't hide things from yourself, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, the thing that happened on the weekend was one of, somebody that I was with on their phone a lot. And it's like noticeable that they're on their phone a lot and say to them, if you say to this person, like yep. you're on your phone a lot, shut down, like automatic defense, like, don't tell me what to do. You're always on your phone, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but, and maybe there's a better way to address the issue as the person communicating it yeah. than just say you're on your phone a lot. But yeah. as that person, it's like, you need to hear the message, man. Like, yeah. You're on your phone a lot. Yeah, I can't like it's, talk to it's you. It's very distracting. Yeah. You're not, you're absent. You're not, and, and not to mention all this, there's a whole bunch of research on like when you get sucked into the social media trap, things that can happen. So that's just one example of like, if you right away find yourself snapping back at someone who's trying to give you constructive criticism yes. or something like that. And, and you talk about this all the time. Like when your coaches talk to you, like hear the message, not the tone. Yeah. It's so important to be able to do that because yeah. default position for everyone, us included, everyone's included in this, as you get defensive. You can yeah. feel your defensive nature start to pop up inside of you yeah. when someone's attacking something that you know is a problem. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. can't you can't hide from yourself, man. Like you know when you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And it's just about that humility, being honest and being able to, you know, address those problems yeah. for yourself. Yeah. Another way to look at this, because we can look at just the game or just just someone telling you something negative or not negative, constructive, whatever it is, and taking it the wrong way. But it's also, again, getting back to owning your own life and own, taking ownership of your career, taking ownership of being the best player that you can be, right? I see kids that, are, that will hide from actually doing real work because of yeah. ego. So for an example, there's kids either on the ice or in the gym that when there's a, a, a task or let's say an exercise or a drill where it's either going to be, they're going to be exposed in some way 
meaning they're not strong or they they don't move properly or they'll get tired or get blown someone will blow by them the ego will say okay well remove yourself from that because you don't want to be embarrassed so what happens now is you become worse instead of better you don't face the problem so your ego is telling you to go hide when the, you should be doing the exact opposite and one of the best examples that i could think of like well i'll go to that in a second so you know that there's probably parts of your game that need to get to be worked on just without anybody telling you and a part of being a leader is knowing that you need help that you're not perfect right and not having someone tell you oh you should work on your shot you know so you should work on your shot or you need to be better in your own zone. Like, you know that there's things you need to work on. So take ownership of that and do it. Right? So, and a lot of the times, if you're not the best at something, that hurts your ego. But the only way out is through. So if you do nothing about it, you don't get better. So, best example I can think of just off the top of my head. I've said it before. Sidney Crosby years ago. Thought he could be better at face-offs. The best player in the world thought he could be better at play, play, uh, face-offs. So what did he do is, like they said, every day for an hour, roughly, he'd work on face-offs. So I'm sure doing face-offs and going against guys on his team, he was still probably pretty good. But if you do 100 face-offs, you're losing some. Losing means you're no good or you've lost, which hurts your ego. You want to win them all. But... He had the ego to, or the humility to put the ego aside and go do the work. And by doing the work, he got better. And that's leadership. And that's, you know, put the ego aside. You actually accomplish things. Yeah. And it's important in every aspect of the game. And uh, so there's, there's parts of you that need some work. So if you're in the gym, and when, like for me, it was mobility. I was always pretty strong. <laughs> no, pretty strong guy. I worked at being strong, right? Yeah. Always had like some some natural stuff, but I worked at being strong. But when it came to mobility, and it was like with Dalton, and when you and I and Dalton were working together, we spent a lot of time on mobility. It's actually embarrassing to me. It was. It's embarrassing. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it because I let I let that part of my thing slide. So the ego right away because you feel it. It's like what happens. You start getting busy doing something else. Because you don't want to look in the mirror and say, okay, this is what you need to do. So, but it takes humility to actually say, hey, Dalton, how do you do this? How do I work on this? And spending some time and then seeing an improvement. Mm -hmm. And there's more, you get a lot more credit. You get a lot more respect for doing something that you're not good at or would be willing to fight through it and admit, okay, I need work than it is to avoid it and just do the things that you're good at. Yes. Well, people will admire when you do that. So here's here's a interesting little side thing. So when people are have a fear of something, the the way that you can fix it is by them voluntarily exposing themselves to the thing they're scared of, right? So if you're scared yeah. of spiders, for yeah. example, if you you have to volu- it can't be someone forces you. Yeah. It's like if you voluntarily go and confront the thing, yeah. that's how you can start to get rid of your fear of yeah. the thing, right? Yeah. So in the context of leadership when people see you doing that you come back you come back stronger when you do that you go attack your deficiency you go attack the thing that you're weak at you know and people will have a lot of admiration for that and that's a huge element of leadership too because you're not just doing the things you're you, that you have as strengths you know you're like you're talking about you're willing to put in the work to make your deficiency up to the same level as your strengths or better 
So with Crosby with a face-off thing, he's one of the best face-off guys in the NHL now, probably. Yeah, but he won't better. Oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah. Now. Oh, God, right. yeah. yeah, so, yeah, at the, yeah, yeah. so at the start, he wasn't. Right. That's and he's why like, he, this is a problem. So that's – and that's a, that yeah. is a, a, to, totally an element of leadership. He's willing to identify and in front of everyone try to fix this thing instead of just avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. Yeah. Because you know you're avoiding it. Everyone else knows you're avoiding it. Because people can see your deficiencies, man. People know yeah. what you're good at and what you're not good at, especially when you're on a team. In hockey, if you have something that you're not good at, everyone knows the thing oh, that God, you're not yeah. good at, right? It's oh, on display God, yeah. every game, the yeah. things that you aren't good at. Yeah. But that willingness to be able to go and attack yeah. it and try to get better at it, yeah. that's that's something that will get you a lot of respect as a leader. And it just shows. It's just another element of leadership. That's why yeah. that's why I really like that principle, right? You check your ego and you've got to be willing to do the things that, that will make you better, that you're deficient at, and take responsibility for yeah. your part in why things aren't going well. You know, it's very, very it's difficult your part. to do. That's yeah. the key. Those, those are the key words. Your part. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and by the way, the easy, you become a very easy target when you're working on your deficiencies for some jokes, especially in hockey. Yeah. Right? That's why like, people respect it though. Yeah. Right. Because you're putting yourself yeah. out there. You're vulnerable. Yeah. So if you're trying to do the greatest stretch of the world and you do your, your spine only turns to this, the yeah. side, the boys are laughing. Angle, yeah. and I think like you're, you're, you got steel cables for tendons, right. Yeah. but they see the ability to work. And then you next, after not next day, but after a, a month or two months, all of a sudden you've got a heck of a lot of a lot more rotation. All of a sudden, Eric comes up and goes, "Hey, see, you're awesome, bud. Yeah, you're getting there. That's good. That's it, man." But the th- beautiful thing about that is everything in life that you, you can do that with, not just stretching, not just hockey. It's every little part of life for sure. So, so yeah. the the next two here goes into what you were talking about before we started was how it's hard to lead yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so these next two, they're uh, the way that he talks about the principle is a bit different than. It's, it's sort of the same, but it's not exactly the way that I, I want to talk about it. So I want to kind of just touch on how it, it can be hard to lead, lead yourself and what you can do if you're someone who wants to become a leader. What are some things you can do for yourself? Yeah. So like you can say, take extreme ownership. You can say, but those are kind of abstract. Yeah. Check the ego, kind of abstract. But what are like some concrete things that you can do? So that's why I really like this one. So this is principle. I'm going to call it three, but I think in the book, it's not three. In the, in the book, it's chapter six. So it's called simple. And when you're trying to make any change, man, it's it's very, very important to keep it simple. When you're on a team, it's also very important to keep it simple. You want your plan to be simple, easy to follow, easy to execute. You want people to understand what's going on. And simplicity is the key. The more complicated you make things, the more people you're going to lose, especially when you're on a team and especially the bigger the team gets, right? You want to keep yeah. things as simple as possible for your team and for yourself. Yeah. So he talks about it here, what I'm going to read in, in the context of the team keeping it simple. And then I want to touch on just keeping it simple for yourself after that. So here's what he says. Simple. This principle isn't limited to the battlefield. In the business world and in life, there are inherent complexities. It is critical to keep plans and communication simple. Following this rule is crucial to the success of any team in any combat, business, or life. So touching on touching on this, one, one of the other lines he says a little bit later, or a little bit earlier, sorry, he says, when things go wrong and they inevitably do go wrong, mm-hmm. Complexity compounds the issues and it can spiral them out of control into a total disaster. So as a team, that's quite obvious. So when things are are complicated and you have a complicated plan and it's difficult to follow, you might be able to pull it off, right? But what happens if something goes wrong? What happens if something doesn't go as you expect, which it never goes as you expect? Then how can your team handle that, right? And so it's important that when you're coming up with a plan for your team, or as, as, a, as the captain in the dressing room, right? Like you want to keep messaging simple, right? You want to just keep, keep it simple. And this is where, you know, we were talking about Mr. Positive Guy. You have positive things to say. 
that's not always always a bad thing. It's not always a good thing. Yeah. But you want it to be something that actually means something. Yeah. So keep your messaging simple, but yeah. make it actually mean something when you're talking with your guys. You know. Yeah. So if you just say, "Come on, boys, keep working," it's like, what does that mean? It's like, yeah. what specifically are we supposed to do? Yeah. So if you have like a team identity, let's say you're supposed to be a hardworking team or a team, uh, you you dump the puck and go get it because some teams like doing that. Yeah. Where are you doing that? It's right. like, boys, we know the style that we're supposed to be playing. We're not playing this way, and this is the way we need to play. Yep. Or, or the opposite. If you're a team that doesn't dump the puck in, it's like, boys, we keep dumping in the puck. Like, yep. why are we doing that? That's not how we play. Let's get yep. back to, to how we were supposed to be, our, what our team plan is for the game yep. or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. That's one thing. And then on a personal level, and the best, the best example I have of this is when people get, like, nutrition programming or, yeah. like, workout programming. Yeah. It's like... People think they need to do, they need to jump to the complicated right away. They yeah. need to jump to like the hyper detailed, yeah. whatever. So my cousin, she signed up for a, a trainer person yeah. and she's, I don't know if, I don't even know if she's ever played a sport really. Okay. Wait, let wait, alone, wait, you're the trainer or your cousin? My cousin. Okay. I don't know if she's ever really played a sport okay. and she's definitely not very active. Yeah. And so she messaged me when this, this guy sent her her plan and I'm reading through it and I'm just like. This is way too complicated. Like not going to be executable. Th- well, and that's exactly what she said to me. She was like, I'm reading this stuff he sent me and I'm like so lost. I have no idea what these words mean yep. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and I was like, that's such a shame, man, because it's, she can't execute this. Like you're yeah. saying, she cannot do this. Yeah. So I, ta- I was trying to, help, trying to help her talk, trying to talk her through it and dumb it down a bit. Like, okay, you won't, out of everything you said here, this is what you need. Out of everything you said here, this is what he's trying to say and whatever. And hopefully that makes it easier to ask you. But for yourself, if you're trying to implement a new practice habit or a new nutrition habit or whatever, when you're playing a new workout habit, people like even on the videos that I'll post about workouts, it's like they'll ask if, I've, if I'm using a band or something in one of the videos, yeah. they'll be like, well, where did you get that band? Do I need, I need that band? Do I have to use that in, in my workout or whatever? It's like, right. no, 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 no. Like, yeah. You can keep it way simpler than this. Yeah. You don't need this. This yeah. is just a tool, something you can use, an accessory piece, whatever, yeah. right? It's not something that needs to be central to what you're doing. Yeah. So it's important to extract like simple principles out, even for yourself, and yeah. just apply simple things that you can actually do and understand. Yeah. Because the more complicated it gets, yeah. as soon as there's a barrier, it's so easy to let go. Like one thing in this program was do early morning cardio, fasted, sure. right? So it's like, okay, what happens if you can't go early? Mm-hmm. Right. What happens if you ate first? Mm-hmm. Did I fail now? Is that yeah. is that bad? Is that, yeah. Right. So it's just unnecessary detail yeah. that doesn't have to be there. You yeah. know what I mean? So you can yeah. take it. Well, that, so that nutrition piece is very funny because my brother-in-law um, was was asking and uh, he obviously came in here the other day, last week or whatever. Yeah. We talked and, and, and people do expect like, OK, this is because it's, you got to look at it from their perspective. Oh, yeah. Because when they come in, they're looking at, OK, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And fitness and nutrition, this is something I don't really know. Yeah. Right? It's like I don't know how the car works. All I know is, and that's all I need to know. Mm-hmm. Every every three months or 10,000 clicks, go bring it in for an oil change and let them check it out. Yep. <laughs> right? And that kind of takes care of everything. So with fitness and nutrition, it's so easy to do exactly that because you, and you're helping someone. You want to sound smart. And if you're in business, you want to sound like, look at this package I put together. But you know, all I needed to do is my brother-in-law, and this is what I did. I said, okay, start moving. He goes, yeah, but what? Like, I want to go, go, go. I said, I know you do. So, so get on the bike that I gave you, and ride that for two minutes, and then do. I'll give you three exercises, like legs, shoulders, upper, whatever, and do three exercises until you're done. He goes, well, how long should I go? I go until you're done. 
It was like, but like, should I like give her? I said, just go till you're done. You'll know when you're done. Yeah. And if it's 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes. Yeah. Because that's a good start. That's right. And the next time you'll do 12 or you won't. Yeah. But in the nutrition, this is what I always say is I go, go eat some meat and some vegetables yeah. and drink some water. Yeah. Do it three, four times a day. Yep. If you do that as your base, you're good. I don't need, you don't need a plan like this. How much meat? Yeah. Actually, it doesn't matter. That's right. Eat it three times. How many vegetables? As many as you want. Mm-hmm. How much water? Drink water, man. Yeah. And, and, and there really isn't anything else. If you can start with that and understand that, like, it doesn't get any better. Yeah. But you start saying, well, you need to have, like, uh, your macros of this, your this, your this, and, you know, like, now you just lost the person. It's so simple. Yeah. Cook some meat, add some veggies. If you don't like meat, eat something else. Yeah. Well, so just two little side things on that. So when people are trying to take on something new, a lot of times, especially when it's fitness, nutrition stuff, they expect it to be that package that my cousin got. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, this is daunting. Like, yeah. this is a lot. Yeah. And I don't know anything about this. Yeah. And it's so unnecessary, right? Yeah. Because you can do exactly what you said. Yeah. A couple principles, start applying them. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about anything else. And the issue with that is for some reason, people like the hyper-specific exactly what they need to do. So one example of that I have in the gym is I'll give the guys a number of working sets they need to do, right? And yeah. they'll... Before they get to their working sets, there's a number of sets you need to do to, to yeah. warm up. Yeah. And I, I call them feeder sets, right? Yeah. How many sets you're doing before you get to your working weight. And for, it was like a very difficult concept for them to understand that you need to warm up as much as you need. Yeah. Right? So they're like, well, how many warm-up sets do I do? It's like, until you're warm. Like, until you feel like you're ready to go. Yeah. Might be two, might be five. Yeah. You know? It's okay. So it's okay. But for some reason, people feel like they need to have that like super specific, tell me exactly what to do. One, two, three, because I, I don't know. I feel like there's part of it is a motivator if they think they'll get faster results or whatever, but there's no fast results Yeah. because if you get the fast results, the likelihood of it not working because you're going to let go of it or yeah. whatever, just say, I can't keep up with this. It's not sustainable or whatever the reason is. The likelihood goes up, the more complicated you make it off the start. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you have to do these five steps and there's no room for error, it's like you're, that's not something that you're going to want to keep doing. So, yeah. and this can be anything like if you're, even if you're practicing, like practicing your shot, like if you aren't someone who ever practices their shot, then you just need to go start shooting pucks. That's right. Like it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter what type, it doesn't yeah. matter how long. No. Nope. It's like you just need to get into the habit of shooting pucks. Yeah. You just need to take one step. Get first. a thousand and now you have a clue what you're doing. That's it. Right. Yeah. And then you can start to build, right? Then you yeah. can start to build knowledge on top of that. Like yeah. I noticed when I talk with my Christine about fitness stuff, cause she's, she's interested in it. Yeah. The more we talk about things, the more information I can bleed to her when we're talking, yeah. you know? And then just slowly, she starts to learn more and know more, yeah. feeling like she's not giving any more effort than she was the first time, you know? And that's mm-hmm. how you can build things that are sustainable. You take incremental yeah. steps, but it's like the patience, it's the slow game, Yeah. you know? Yeah, so the simplif- simplifying in, in hockey, this is why I think it's really important that when I talk about having your three to five things that you personally do well it's critical that you actually understand that so that when 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 things get mentally stressful or you know there's a it's a loud building and all these things are hitting you or you're down a game or whatever it's like the things that make you successful are those three to five things so as a leader for yourself you go back to those three things all the time say am i am i doing these three to five things if you're doing the three to five things Guess what? There's not a whole lot more that you can do if you do those well, the basics well, right? You finish your check, like whatever they are for you. And then 
for the team, it's like the simplicity of it is when things get chaotic or whatever, it's everyone does their, you know, you could do your three to five things well. You do the team system well, which should be very, it's a very simple stuff, right? And then the the feedback that you're giving as a leader is stick to the mission, boys. Like the only thing that matters is like when things go down, when things go sideways, when things are going great, you stick to the mission. Yep. The mission is win the game and this is how we play, period. Yeah. Boom. That's it. It's, it's, it doesn't get any more complicated than that. Yeah. Well, so you're actually spelling out the next thing. Oh. So this was this was the last one that I wanted to to talk about. And this is this principle is called prioritize and execute. So this kind of this ties in perfect with the keep it simple thing because the things are complicated. You know, even when you have a simple plan, there's a lot of things that you need to do. Even when in just your day, like if, yep. you, if you're someone who makes a to do list, you got a lot of shit you need to do. Yeah. So it's important that you. Pick which ones are most important because yeah. there's always an order of importance. What is the most important thing? And you focus on that and you can attack the stuff one at a time, right? So I'm going to yeah. just read a quick quick thing from the principal on this one. Even the most competent leaders can be overwhelmed if they try to tackle multiple problems or a number of tasks simultaneously. The team will likely fail at each of those tasks. Instead, leaders must determine the highest priority task and execute. When overwhelmed, fall back upon this principle, prioritize and execute. A particularly effective means to help prioritize and execute under pressure is to stay at least a step or two ahead of real-time problems. Through careful contingency planning, a leader can anticipate likely challenges that could arise during execution and map out an effective response to those challenges before they happen. That leader and his or her team are far more likely to win. Staying ahead of the curve prevents a leader from being overwhelmed when pressure is applied and enables greater decisiveness. So this again, He's talking about it from a team perspective, but it also goes into leading yourself again, right? So you have a bunch of shit you need to do. You have a bunch of shit you need to work on. You have a list of things that you're deficient in. So make literally, you can do this. Oh, make yeah. a list. Start with number one. My shot sucks. Okay, that's number one on my list. What's number two? What's number three? List them out. Start with number one. How can I start to address my shot? Go shoot pucks. Easy, right? Yeah. Start doing it. Don't just look at the list or think worse, not make a list and then just think about it in your head. Like I have all of these things I need to do because it's overwhelming. It can be overwhelming, you know, and this is where it comes back to your point before is and ties into that leading yourself thing. This is how the the Jordan Peterson clean, go clean your room thing. Start doing the action piece is so important. It's not just the planning. It's not just the saying to yourself, I need to do these things. It's the execution part. You actually need to do that to start chipping away at the things that you need to get done. You know, and that works with your team as well. You have a, every time you go to practice, your coach is doing this. What do we need to work on? Here's the drills. We're going to do these. Our special teams are pretty good. So we're not going to do that today. We're going to do this instead because this is what we're not as good at. So it's important that you, you have to have priority. You have to know what things you need to work on from a team perspective and for yourself. And that's a way that you can help to lead yourself because even my, my best example of this was with school, like engineering school you can, it, the work doesn't end. There's no end to the work. Like you're not getting to the end of the list. It's an infinite amount. You can just keep studying, right? Yeah. So how, when you have six classes and a project, how do you know what you're supposed to do? Like what, what are you supposed to do? I don't know. And that's what you always do. It teaches you, it forces you to prioritize and execute. You need to have a list of things that you need to get done, which is the most important. Well, I have an exam next week. Okay. That's number one. I need to be ready for that exam. That is more important than the assignment I need to do and the paper I need to write that are due next week also. 
So I need to be ready for my exam, number one, get it done. Number two, this paper is going to take me eight hours longer than my assignment that's due. Okay, then I need to give my paper the attention that it needs before I move on to doing the assignment, right? And this is, school is something that forces, forced me and forces a lot of people to figure out how to organize their own brain to get things done, you know? And that's, that's an element of leadership too, because then you're a person that, this guy gets shit done, man. Like if you're, if you have a job or on whatever team you're on, it's like, this is a guy that can just do the job. You know, yeah. he can just do the thing that he needs to do. Yeah. So it's, it's a really, yeah. really good principle for, for your team and for yourself. Yeah. Like, like at higher levels, if you're not a star yet, a young guy, like that's actually what I would say to a rookie going in the OHL, right? Is your priority, your priority isn't to get 20 goals. Your priority isn't to get on the power play. Your priority isn't to be a captain. It's all those priorities. Those are long-term things. Mm-hmm. Your priority is to make sure that you're getting into the lineup and getting in there. And so that's your number one thing. So, I mean, this is a, more of a specific thing for prioritizing and executing, mm-hmm. right? So I look at a 16, 17-year-old kid coming into the league. First thing is is to, to, to make it and to stay in the lineup. So that's number one. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean that uh, um, you're... you're scoring it means that you're doing the basics really really well so prioritizing okay what are my basics what's the team the team wants me to have this role and i need to do that well that's the number one thing so everything that you do for that first year basically is making sure that you're never out of the lineup that's your number one goal then once you if once you solidify that and you have the trust of your coach your teammates you're comfortable you can play you're not making all kinds of rookie mistakes. Now you can priority number two is okay. Now I need to maybe it is get points. Maybe it is be more physical. Maybe it is now. Yeah. So now you've got your base. Yeah. Your base. Your foundation is there. Don't ever lose the base. Right. The foundation is everything all the time. It's like when I talked about eating the other day. It's your foundation. Level one eating will take you to like. If whether you're a bodybuilder and, and you want to get shredded or whatever, you're, you, if you can't do the base layer of eating, you will always have uh, poor nutrition. Yep. You have to do it consistently. So as a hockey player, that base level, the foundation, that, that kind of sets the tone of what type of player you are because you are. Like you're either really offensive or you're not. You're really, really defensive. You're not. You're really physical or you're not. That, that, you're a winger that does this, 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 basically. You make it flawless. Now I can add, maybe it's a move. Maybe it's a trying something else. Yep. 100%. And then now you've got number two, and then you just keep moving forward. You, you know? Yeah. No, that, and that's, like, that's like a, I said, how do you eat, how do you eat a mountain? One step at a time. <laughs> <laughs> how do you eat a mountain? <laughs> right. So that's yeah. good. So that's good. Yeah. So, so those are just four of the things that are in, in this book. And, and, like I said, like there's so, there's so much other I'm gonna good add shit one. in here. Okay, I'm gonna add it because I I think it might be in here. Well, it is in there. Is it? Okay, good. Yeah, go ahead. It's it's probably the one that I use as much as any other principle, and it's detaching yourself. What's the title of that chapter? Anyways, it's like, it, in this book. There's a piece in one of the things. It's called detaching, and what detaching yourself means. I love it. I think it's called decentralized command. Okay. Where you are in a situation, hockey game, life, whatever, you're at odds at something. It's being able to pull yourself out of that session, out of that situation live, and look at it from another vantage point. Right. Yep. Because when you're in the muck and grind, 
and, and the pressure and all that stuff, you don't see things clearly. So you need another point of view. And sometimes another point of view could be someone else's, which is good. But it's actually taking your brain and moving it and looking at it from a different point of view. So for like the simplest example I could come up with is when I'm driving. I got this from another book, but when I'm driving and th- this morning when I went and got my coffee, I was going to snap but because I'm aware of it now. It's going to snap because in the drive through <laughs> guy's on his phone and there's a space of cars and like now we're backing up and stuff like that. So I want to snap and just beep my horn because it's my go-to, which is not a good thing to have. Yeah. But I'm getting control of it, right? Cause I've, because I've detached myself and realized what a fool you look like by getting upset about nothing. Yep. So instead of doing that, I'm sitting there going, this guy, you know. So I detach myself and I go, if I snap, what does that look like? Like, or when I feel like that, I take myself out of my own head and I look and I go, you're an idiot. So I don't want to look like an idiot. So I don't do that anymore. So it could be your body language on the ice. It could be your leadership in the room. It's whatever. Like when things are tough, detach yourself and just look at it from a different vantage point. And that skill I'm telling you has made a huge difference in my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, totally. Same, same with me. And and that's actually a perfect segue because it is in the second book. Oh, it's chapter 12, focused, but detached. So, because uh, I'm going to end up wrapping on this yeah. um, anyways. So there's a second book and it's called The Dichotomy of Leadership. Here it is for people watching. And it's after Extreme Ownership. So you read Extreme Ownership first and this would be the second one. So basically, like I said at the start, Extreme Ownership is kind of if you want to become a leader, here's some principles you can um, apply. The Dichotomy of Leadership to me is more like once you're the leader, here's some things that yeah. you need to consider. So I'm just going to go to... The last chapter of extreme ownership is actually called the dichotomy of leadership. And then that's kind of was the basis for the second book. So I'm going to, I just want to read one piece of this because once you're the leader, there's a balancing act you have to do between in in certain situations. That's what, that's what dichotomy means, right? So there's, there's times where you're supposed to do seemingly contradictory things, right? So I just want to read a quick piece of the last chapter of extreme ownership and then uh, we'll leave it open. Maybe do, we'll do another episode on the second book later on. But here's what he says. Uh, Every leader must walk a fine line. That's what makes leadership so challenging. Just as discipline and freedom are opposing forces that must be balanced, leadership requires finding the equilibrium in the dichotomy of many seemingly contradictory qualities between one extreme and another. The simple recognition of this is one of the most powerful tools a leader has. With this in mind, a leader can more easily balance the opposing forces and lead with maximum effectiveness. So... For in this principle, there's a bunch of paragraphs where he talks about some of the things you have to balance. I'm just going to list them real quick. So as an example, a leader must lead, but also be ready to follow. A leader must be aggressive, but not overbearing. A leader must be calm, but not robotic. A leader must be confident, but never cocky. Leaders must have a competitive spirit, but also be gracious losers. A leader must be attentive to detail, but not obsessed by them. A leader must be strong, but likewise have endurance, not only physically, but mentally. Leaders must be humble, but not passive, quiet, but not silent. A leader must be close with subordinates, but not too close. A leader must exercise extreme ownership. Finally, a leader has nothing to prove, but everything to prove. So that's kind of how he finishes off in his last chapter. He kind of touches on these things. Um, And everything I just listed, you can see how there's kind of there's a time and a place for both things, right? So they're opposite. They're opposite things, right? Well, and, and the best one to me is 
You want to you want to lead, but you also have to follow. That's the best one for sure. It's it's, it's so it's so yeah like that one's huge. It's the most important one, I yeah. think, because okay. it brings it brings together all these things. So here's a here's an example that I had when I was playing junior. So I was a, one of the captains on our team, and our captain was quiet. He was a lead by example type guy, and something I didn't really think about at the time because I didn't really know this kind of stuff. He would never want to say anything in front of the team. But if he did, everybody listened yeah. kind of thing. And on the bench sometimes, like if we were flat or whatever, he would always bump me and be like, hey, like say something, get the boys <laughs> going, right? Because he didn't want to be yeah. the guy that was talking. Yeah. But he was a guy that would also, like he knew when it was time to step up and when it was time to go, like to maybe fall to the back a little bit. So, I mean, an easy example is if at school, like if you're doing a group project, if someone is better than you at something, yeah. You need to let them take the lead of that part. Yep. Right? You're still the leader if you do that. Yep. You know? So, and I remember in... Uh, well, you're making people around you better. That's it, right? So, it's like you're, give, you're giving... Everyone has certain strengths and weaknesses, right? So, your strength isn't always going to be the thing we need right now. Sometimes it's going to be somebody else. Yeah. You know? And you have to be willing to relinquish the control and let the person who knows more take control of that situation for yeah. you, right? And that's a really hard thing to do. That's something that I struggle with a lot, yeah. right? Because I'm a super control freak, man. Like, I want to know exactly what's going on. I want to be involved in everything. I want to have that hand in everything that we're doing. And when someone comes along that is more competent than me in something, I have a hard time saying like, okay, like you can do that. That's fine, you yeah. know? And that's an important thing to be able to do, right? Because then you're not that well, that's where, overbearing. That's where you're going to find people get burned out. I was like that with my business because... I knew what I, my abilities were as far as the training and stuff goes. And then for me to relinquish any of that to someone else was very, very difficult for me. Even though I would train someone and, 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 and it was even hard for me to let them go in the fire all by themselves without me giving them, yeah, that was good. Okay, let's do this. It took a while. But the problem is if you don't, like if you, if you, you, could, you could lead, but if you have control over everything, then You'll, you'll just burn yourself out. You yeah. can't do it can't all do it. well. It's too complicated. So you got to be the best leader. Who should You could be, do everything, but you don't let yourself do anything. You let you delegate. And you so the best leaders will have people doing things for them mm -hmm. extremely yeah. well. And that's a really good leadership tool is that if you can um, bring the best out of people and, and let them go on their own and let them lead, right? That's how you get layers and layers cool. of leaders and that's that's actually another one i didn't touch on in the book is decentralized oh. command right letting people do things yeah. without with your support yeah. and whatever but letting them actually lead their own mission yeah. right they're leading their own thing that's leadership on you too yeah you know yeah so anyways so this is just an example of of something that i think everybody should read everybody can read and even if you're not interested in the business examples he gives or the combat battles he gives just the principles itself if you just even just read that part of the book, it's it's worth it. Just that even alone, it's, you know. I'll tell you what, man. You you read that book. You don't have to go very deep. Yeah. You can probably go the first chapter and understand the principle of owning your 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 life, taking responsibility for your life, and responsibility for your actions without the excuses. When you actually understand that, realize how to look at life and how to take not necessarily blame but responsibility. It's worth the twenty five bucks. Yeah, seriously. And I, I think the the last one, so I'll leave with just my, my definition again that I gave uh, at the start or closer to the start. So leadership is doing what it takes to make the team consistently succeed 
So whatever you're doing, whatever sport you play, whatever, wherever your job is, whatever, you're trying to make the team consistently succeed and figure out the what it takes part. Like you need to figure out what that is to make your team succeed. But once you do that, like that's, that's something that you'll, you'll never go wrong on your team if you're doing that. So I like it. All right, man. We'll leave it there. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>